screen. <clears throat> okay. Woo! Welcome. Welcome tonight. It's RUF night. We know you have a choice in choosing Wednesday night activities. We're glad you chose to be with us this evening. We've got a treat for you tonight. Uh, we're looking at manliness, and I cannot think of anything more manly than that song we just sang. Uh, it was breathtakingly honest about the struggles, uh, and I, I like to, like I know, like, chicks were singing it, like, primarily, like, women, but I like to think of, like, a, a warrior going into battle. No offense to the women. Um, but, uh, like, warrior going into battle singing that, and life and death abide in me. It's just this, it's this um, wonderful trust uh, in God. We're looking at manliness. We're looking at men. Uh, what's the perfect man? Who to date? Uh, well, I'm going to call um, the answer to that question um, on who to date. I want you to go for, ladies, the world's most ordinary man. Okay? Um, you know, that's, uh, that's really exciting, isn't it? Okay? The world's most ordinary man. Okay? Not the mo- world's most interesting man, uh, but the world's most ordinary man. Okay? That's, and, and men, uh, this is for you. Uh, primarily, we're picking on you tonight, and ladies will pick on you after spring break. But uh, this is what a man ought to be. Um, man ought to shoot to be the world's most ordinary man. Um, let, me, let me talk about that. Um, just, just kind of go on about that. And we're going to read that tonight, uh, read, read text about that tonight, and, and discuss them. So looking at that this evening, um, the most ordinary man, who to date, who to be. Um, okay, looking at your handout, you'll see Mark 9.33. And we're going to read Mark 9, 33. It's a story of Jesus uh, interacting with his men, his disciples. And then we're also going to look at 1 Timothy 3 uh, tonight. So 1 Timothy 3, which is a text that talks about church leadership. And I hope those who decided who the Pope was going to be would would look at those today. Um, That's important to look at what the Bible says about what a leader might be. All right, so hear the word of God. And they came to Capernaum. And when he was, Jesus was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? But the disciples kept silent. For on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone will be first, he must also be last, and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but also him who sent me. Okay, and we'll move on to the uh, First Timothy passage. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, he must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil." Let's pray. Uh, Father, your word to us uh, is manifesting your love for us and that you don't leave us in our ignorance. You don't leave us to uh, the competitions we play with one another. 
uh, and the way we um, uh, fumble through life uh, grasping for manhood, but no, you, you, you teach us what it is to be a godly man. You, you demonstrate it through Christ, and uh, we uh, do look to Him now. We look to your Spirit to manifest Jesus to us tonight in your Word. Uh, Lord, help us, we pray, uh, for those of us who are uh, men to be godly men, and for those of us who are women to desire uh, to respect godly men. And uh, we will give you glory. Uh, hear us, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, so three points this evening. We're going to look at uh, what it means to be a godly man. Or first, ordinary conviction, ordinary character, and an ordinary or extraordinary Christ. Um, now, when you think about manhood, I don't know what your model of men have been in your life. But, uh, you know, when you're growing up, you, you had all these kind of holidays that you didn't really understand. Like, I, I mean, like, Mardi Gras, I never, I still don't understand what Mardi Gras is, okay? Um, I don't know what that's about. I mean, you go to New Orleans and you get drunk and they throw beads. That's about it. Um, St. Patrick's Day, you dress up in green. There are shamrocks. And if you don't wear green, you get pinched. Mind-boggling. Mind-boggling why we do that, Okay. I don't understand. Um, okay, Father's Day. <laughs> Father's Day. Um, have we known our fathers? Um, Father's Day is a confusing thing for us because fathers, manhood in general, is not a thing we delight in. Uh, our dads, maybe some of us haven't had good dads, haven't seen manhood, manhood, womanhood. That's not a joke. It's perfectly serious. Um, we don't know what the perfect man is. Uh, if, if the perfect man idea was a strictly a financial or a physical issue, it'd be easy. Uh, you just, uh, ladies, just download his bank account information, just hack that and figure out how much he has in the bank, um, and then maybe get a tape measure and measure his biceps. Those are, those are solid ways to figure out uh, the perfect man, and that'd be very objective. But ladies, you know it's a lot more um, subjective than that, as far as figuring out what a man is. And men, we know, we, we have no idea what we really are doing when we're talking about becoming a man and what it means to be uh, manly. Um, now, I will illustrate that through um, an email uh, we sent out one time for a guy's night at RUF. Um, it's just breathtaking. Let me just read this to you. Um, what you do is you'd meet at Outback Steakhouse. Let me summarize this. Eat at Outback Steakhouse, um, and you eat as much meat as possible. Vegetables are not an option. Uh, it's all men, okay? You want steak that contains lots of gristle, um, the more it bleeds, the better, okay? Um, you um, will talk about things like why it's great to have a Y chromosome, um, Title IX in sports. Title IX in sports is the thing that says there has to be a, a balance of men and women's sports. And how we, we talk about how that's um, not a good thing. Um, power tools, okay, like I bought a jackhammer today, um, you know, that kind of stuff. You're at Home Depot looking at PVC pipe. Um, you talk about, um, you know, all those kind of things, like uh, duct tape. And WD-40, okay? Duct tape for when it uh, moves, but it shouldn't. WD-40 for when it uh, doesn't move and should. Those kind of things. Um, you're gonna, yeah, so you're going to talk about those kind of practical things. Power tools, sports. Um, you're going to brag and exaggerate personal achievements in life. That's what we do as men, right? Um, talk about sports, pretty much any kind of sports acceptable there at Guy Night. Um, movies, uh, you're going to stay away from romantic comedies. And, and if you do confess that you've seen one, you have to talk about how it was the worst experience of your life, total waste of time. You can mention anything with at least 25 deaths and uh, lots of action, 
Okay, those are things that are acceptable. Um, again, brag more about personal achievements in life. Exaggerate. Uh, make up a story about how you once time, uh, one time shaved a jagged rock with your bare hands. Um, don't be scared to ask for extra hot sauce, tobacco sauce, anything you, you do, even if you can't stand it. Talk about how Rocky IV, which is one of the best movies uh, of all time, shout out to Nate, Rocky IV was the reason for the end of the Cold War. Okay, that's it. Um, and you talk about who you could beat up and how far you could throw a bowling ball. Those are essentially the things you would talk about. Then you watch manly um, movies, like uh, basically um, anything uh, like Gladiator, um, Rambo, um, over the top, those are good options. Um, then you eat again, probably make a woman make you a pie, that'd be great for men, men night. Um, then also blow things up, you gotta make some explosions happen. So I uh, suggest microwaves with stuff in them, okay, to blow them up, okay. Uh, peeps would be good for that. Uh, apples, liquid detergent, those kind of things. Okay, so uh, tools, okay, y'all are following me, right? That's like, we have no idea what manhood is, and we make up these funny uh, little things and jokes about what it means to be men, and we have basically no idea what we're doing. Uh, ladies, that's what we do. Uh, we, we think we're cowboys, but we're basically all competitive jerks, okay? And that's where we go. That's, where, that's honest, that's where we are, competitive jerks. We've got to beat somebody, competitive jerks. And so, now, now, like, just that is example. That, the example is right here in our text, in Mark nine thirty three. These men knew Jesus, and they were obsessed still with being the greatest. Jesus had just told them he was going to go and die on a cross for their sins, and they are arguing about who's the greatest amongst them. Okay, who could beat who up? Who's funnier? Uh, who's better looking, who gets more ladies as disciples, if you could imagine. I don't know what they're talking about, but they're arguing, okay? Who can memorize more Bible verses? Um, you know, who can impress Jesus more? Um, who's going to sit at his right? Who's going to sit at his left? I mean, men will fight over anything, okay? Uh, it could be checkers, okay? They're talking about it, and they are competing. Men compete all day long. Um, and so that's why we talked about, like, when we want a possible mate, one of the things we're actually looking for is a safe place where we don't have to compete, uh, we will battle each other, we'll bully each other, we'll um, hate on each other, that's what we do. Um, so the, the, the root behind every Christian guy even getting wrapped up in these kind of competitions is we just have no idea. And so we're carrying our um, incompetence and manhood around on our, and our inadequacy around on our shirt sleeves, and it's right there. Okay, so Jesus is saying you've got to be a man of conviction, though. So if you look at what he's, what he's saying here is he takes a child, uh, when he sees them arguing amongst themselves, he takes a child um, in his arms, picks up the child, which is odd to do because children weren't like cute in those days. They weren't like we don't we didn't they they they, they were cute, but we didn't we, we didn't idolize them like we do now. And so um, to pick up a child, it wasn't just a child. I mean, to pick up a child in that time period would have been really strange. So Jesus picks up a nobody, this child who is a nuisance picks him up and says, he who receives a child like this is the greatest. Okay? And she says, not, it's not about competing and proving yourself better than other people. It says, whoever picks up a child like this is the greatest. Okay? If anyone wants to be first, he's got to be last. He's got to be a servant of all. And so you just didn't, you didn't see this kind of idolatry of children in the day. So for him to pick that child up right there and end the discussion really awkwardly, made a statement to these guys, okay? 
you don't see that kind of thing. Um, I want to I show you, just to illustrate what I think, uh, when I think of what it means to be a man. It means uh, being a man of conviction. Being a man who's great and makes nobody's great. Uh, you, ladies, you want to find someone who will like people and help them up, uh, even if they're poor, even if they're hard to deal with. You want people who go to visit people in the jails. You want people who, who look out for the people who are getting picked on. Uh, you want people to, to manifest mercy in their day, and that's out of conviction. Um, that's who they are when no one's looking. Okay, um, there's a, a story which I love to tell and talk about, about um, a, um, a basketball manager in um, Indiana, basketball's king there. Uh, it's a guy named Jason McElwain. Um, he was autistic. He, would, he loved basketball. He was really short. I think he was like five, uh, five-ish, you know, which is too, too short to play basketball. Sorry for five-five people, but high school basketball, he couldn't make the team. Um, just was, but was very dutiful in keeping the stats, running the clock, handing out water bottles. And then the 70-year-old senior in the last final, final home game of the year, um, he would sit on the, on the bench in white shirts and um, black ties. But that, that actually, that game night, they put him in a uniform, okay? And he, he loved going out for the game in the uniform and being a part of the team, going through warm-ups and doing all that. Well, the coach, you know, the team's up by a bunch of points at the end of the game, and the coach calls his number and says, <laughs> he says, Jason, get in the game. And uh, you can see on YouTube in this clip, it's back from 2006. If you haven't seen it, go look it up. Jason McElwain, autistic basketball guy. Something like that, you'll find it. Okay, so he, he, they put him in the game, and there are actually guys with, in, the, in the stands who have sticks with this guy's face on it. Okay, it's, it's beautiful. Like, they love this kid. And so when he goes into the game, they are freaking out. And so Jason, actually the first time down the court, they pass him the ball, he fires up a three, and what do you think happens? He airballed. Oh, terrible. Okay, all right, so... Like, do, you think, do you think the story's going somewhere? It's not, okay. Well, then, okay, next time down the court, pass the ball around, get it to Jason, he's open. Boom, air balls again, okay. Two air balls, okay. This is not going well, okay. It's getting awkward. It's getting nerve-wracking. Well, okay, so he comes back down the court, and they give him the ball again. They're feeding him. He's a black hole. He takes the ball, shoots it, swishes a three. Okay, everyone in the stands, thank goodness, right, Everyone in the stands erupts, okay? You can see on the video, they go crazy for this kid. They love him, okay? So, so not only did he make one three, but in four minutes, he made 20 points, okay? He's like Tracy McGrady in the Houston Rockets. Another shout-out to Nate Scott, okay? So, I'm like, 20 points. He went off. He was on fire. So, five foot six, too small to make the JB team, signed on as a team manager, and then he had this moment of greatness. And everything's right in the world. The crowd goes wild. When the buzzer hits... The buzzer sounds, everyone rushes the court and lifts him up, okay? Guys, that's manhood, okay? It's manhood for the coach to put him in there, to give him the moment. It's manhood for the crowd to celebrate this. When, when the weak are exalted, when the nobodies become somebody, that's manhood. It's conviction. It's making the game. It's making people bigger than the game. It's, it's valuing individuals more than what, what people think about them. Um, he put him in, gave him a moment of greatness, and let him shine. You want to let people shine, you want to make them somebody. So the first thing is being a man of conviction, okay? On your hand on the back, you'll also see that um, it's having ordinary conviction, but it's also having ordinary character, okay? 
What do I mean by ordinary character? Well, I mean the list of ordinary traits on uh, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 3. Now, these are, these are the leader's, um, the leader's uh, task, actually. These are the things that a leader is supposed to do. But when you look through the list, you'll find that it's very sort of normal stuff. You know, everyday, average things. I can find my notes. Where are they? I don't know. Okay. Um, Ah, there we go. Yeah, okay, here it is. Okay, fantastic. Okay, ordinary character. Um, It's, first of all, it's something you can see. Okay, now, ladies, if you're dating a guy and no one thinks he's godly, he's probably not godly. Okay, these are all demonstrable characteristics. If you look on the handout, look at it. The saying is trustworthy. If anybody aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. But no, these are not like Pope-like qualities here. These are simple things. Okay? Uh, ordinary character. To be an overseer, he's got to be above reproach. A husband of one wife. Okay? Above, let's, let's, let's look at like the first thing there, uh, the, or, which is um, above reproach, the husband of one wife. Um, A is that he's sexually pure. Okay? Um, Essentially, he's saying he's a one-woman man. One-woman man, okay? Maybe not a husband, but he's at least a one-woman man. Um, meaning he's, he doesn't have to be married necessarily, but a one-woman man. Um, he's going to protect his companion's purity. Um, her conscience, her dignity, her reputation. Um, I don't have to tell you guys this, but in dating, there is way too much intimacy among non-married folks. And so women need to be protected uh, around their dates in a fatherly way, okay? You know, when you go to, can't go to visit the parents and the dad has a shotgun there, okay, like, I mean, like, or, you know, just like intimidation, like meet the parents type stuff. Well, a date ought to guard a, a, a date's purity like a dad would do. <laughs> you ever thought about that? That's actually being a man, guarding a date's purity like her daddy would, ought to do. Okay, like her daddy ought to do, um, the, the, like the daddy with a shotgun does, okay, and is concerned about it. You ought to be concerned about that. A one-woman man, uh, above reproach. Okay, secondly, B, uh, a, a, a man with ordinary character is someone who is well-balanced or sober-minded, okay? He's steady, not given to excess, uh, as verse 2 says. Um, the gospel has created even-killedness to him, okay? You're not going for presidents here. You're going for sober-minded. You're not going for um, the, out, the outstanding superstars here, but just somebody who's balanced, sober-minded, and can make sound judgments, see. He makes sound judgments, not impulsive, okay? Uh, D, self-controlled. He's able to control himself. He doesn't need a woman to make him into somebody. He's self-controlled. Um, so if he can't change his habits and his character without you, he's not going to probably change with you. Okay? That's the man you've got to be, the man who's going to keep it, or handle his habits, be self-controlled. Um, he's going to reach out to those in need. We've already kind of illustrate that, illustrated that. Um, he's teachable. Um, he wants to learn. So... Uh, uh, he's hospitable, he's t- uh, so E would be hospitable. He's a good friend to people, especially to strangers, um, doing good deeds when no one's there to see it, um, which is hard to observe because you're not there to see it. Um, 
But it, when, you, when you're driving around, around town with him and he sees uh, the poor, he can't just look away. Um, uh, Jesus uh, gave up his riches to make, uh, make us rich and became poor for our sake. So he's going to be like a sacrificer like Jesus. Um, he's teachable again, wants to learn. Um, there's an old illustration about Charles Spurgeon. Charles, that guy was waving at me out there. Charles Spurgeon, okay? Charles Spurgeon was a great preacher, and he'd said something in a sermon one day to anger some lady, and the lady comes up to him afterwards. He'd stand at the back and greet people when they leave, and the lady, like, really lit into him and said, you don't understand what an arrogant, self-righteous jerk you are. I don't think she said jerk, but she said something else. And, and, the, and uh, Charles Spurgeon looked at her and said, look, lady, he didn't say look, lady, either. He said, look, if you don't even know the half of it, okay? If you really knew me, you would say worse, okay? He's teachable. He's willing to be wrong. He's humble, teachable, wants to learn. Help me be better. Um, okay, so, uh, G, is not controlled by alcohol, okay? This passage, again, is not, or first, is not an open condemnation of alcohol, but it clearly suggests that alcohol has the power to do great harm. It's powerful. Okay? So if someone doesn't know when to stop, they don't know who they are. Okay? Alcohol inhibits you. Uh, and so if you don't know when to stop, you're always inhibited. And that's not good. You've got to know who you are. Um, okay, G or H. He does not hold grudges. He's able to forgive. I've learned a new uh, word this week talking to you guys. I love to learn things from students. I learned the word troll, okay? Like, I never knew this word. Uh, it's amazing. Okay, like, trolls. You know what I'm talking about? Of course. You're 18 to 22. Um, okay, a troll is someone on the Internet who badgers people, right? Is this true? Is, sort of, is that a good definition? Okay, trolls. I met somebody who, who, had troll, who trolls celebrities' Twitter accounts and, and makes them close their Twitter accounts. That's incredible, okay? Um, I actually read a story about this thing, too, after I found out about it. Um, there is a boxer in London who's 32. He was a professional soccer player until he was 26, got sick of soccer, and became a boxer. He's a real good athlete. Well, somebody was on his Twitter account making fun of him and, like, you know, using all kinds of, you know, profanity and dogging him. And the boxer found the guy's address, <laughs> drove to his house, took a picture of his front door, tweeted it at him, and said, I'm outside. Let's talk. And so the Twitter troll immediately apologizes and closed his account. Okay? Um, now, he got, the, tro the troll got trolled. Okay? Um, now, I don't know if that's a godly man. It's funny, but it says here that, that a godly man doesn't hold grudges and he's able to forgive. Okay? So, now, the guy got pushed unjustifiably there, and he, and he didn't beat him up, thankfully. Um, but to be quarrelsome, y'all, is to broadcast your insecurity. It means that you don't have the stability inside when somebody attacks you. Um, you, you, live all, you live your life on the shifting sand of other people's opinions of your own performance. And so you can't hold grudges. You've got to be forgiving, um, even to trolls. Um, I, you've got to be gentle and fair. Gentle and fair. Um, uh, guys, you cannot hit a girl. <laughs> gentle. Um, that would, that gentleness would probably eliminate hitting girls. Um, I'm just going to go out there and say that. That's a valid application of this verse. You can't hit girls. Okay? 
Girls, if he's hitting you, you've got to get away from him and call the police. Talk to somebody. Um, Ten or Jay. He knows how to handle money uh, and is not a materialist. So there's like, he knows how to work with the money and he's not going to be um, a lover of money. Um, so he looks at his paycheck and he sees automatically 10% that's not his money. Uh, he realizes if he keeps that, he's stealing from God. And so uh, he doesn't worship, therefore, the God of personal peace and affluence. He holds his possessions with open hands. He realizes that everything he has is a gift. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. He is not mastered by money. And finally, um, you can look at how he, he manages his own household well in verse 5. Uh, his family takes priority. He's a family man. And so if a man, you know, as, as the Godfather would say, if a man doesn't respect his family, he's not even a man, okay? So, uh, you know, Vito Corleone, for those of you who've seen it. Um, so you're going to, I mean, so if your date doesn't respect his parents, uh, if he doesn't respect your parents, uh, for that matter, um, in, in stuff and in, in their wishes, then how is he going to manage your home well someday? Um, you know, when you parent, when you live together, when you, when you are married, that's a ubiquitous time, I and mean, you're, you're always dealing with things, and so you go to your default mode. And so if you don't respect your family now, how are you going to certainly switch, turn that switch when life is hitting you and start respecting your family then? So man can be seen for what he is. Uh, as verse 7 says, he's got to be above reproach amongst the, the godly and the ungodly. Both the Christians and the non-Christians can observe that. Um, so he's got to be leading you in those areas now, ladies. Um, uh, in your relationship now, or how's he going to just flip that switch? Okay, so you're either so that's where we are. Um, why why would you be in a relationship with somebody like that? Why would you treat people like that if you're a guy not treating people that way? Um, men are protectors, and so if he's not protecting you, then he's not this kind of guy. Dump him. You can't be afraid to dump people, um, and if you don't. If you don't, if you, if, you, if you stay with a guy who's not this, it's going to kill your soul. <laughs> that's really comforting, isn't it? It will kill your soul. Um, that's, I mean, that's because you're made to be, in, in relationships, protected. Uh, a relationship is, I mean, in a marriage relationship is a picture of Christ and the church. Uh, sacrificing, loving, caring for, uh, ministering to, and if he's not protecting you, get out. Um, so, so these are ordinary, ordinary characteristics. We're not looking for a pope here, ladies. We're not looking for a president. Men, we're not looking to be uh, the CEO um, or you know, whatever you want to be. We're going to uh, campus minister of OURUF. I mean, like, okay, not everybody can have this great job, okay, so, um, <laughs> or this uh, very prestigious job. Um, now, like, I mean, like, what do, you want, what do you feel like you need to be to be a woman it's, or to be a man? Ordinary character. Women, what do you feel like you've got to have? <laughs> Ordinary character. Ordinary character. Um, caring about the have-nots, recognizing those people, pointing them out, being a great man. Now, um, that leads us to how do you get there, okay? What if you're saying, well, I'm not any of these things. I'm not 1 through 11 of these or A through K. Um, well, um, most, of, most of how you get there is by having an extraordinary Christ. Having an extraordinary Christ. Um, seeing your need, seeing like when Jesus puts this kid up there and says, you've got to lift this guy up. And feel like, 
well, you know what? I'm that kid, okay? I'm that guy who can't get it together. I'm the nobody, uh, and Christ lifts me up. When I've made much about Jesus, I'm going to make much about other people. Um, I'm going to serve somewhat, somebody. Um, you see, we're not made to, to dominate people, man. We're not made to, to dominate everybody else and compete against other people uh, in order to crush them. We're actually intended to be dominated. We're intended to be crushed under the weight of our own sin and under the image of Christ. Uh, we're made to be molded and dominated by that image. Uh, and that guys, we're all scared. We're all afraid. We're all feeling insignificant when we, when we look at what we're called to be and what we're made to be, and we feel like we don't measure up, and that's why we compete. That's why we try to push other people down. But here's the deal. Jesus has borne all those fears. He's borne all the insignificance. He's borne it all on the cross. And in so doing, if that's for you, he's made you into a real man, a man like himself. Jesus never, like, we don't, we don't know that he knew his father, really, okay? Like, his father's not really mentioned when Jesus is doing ministry. Um, he knew the Heavenly Father. Uh, he didn't know Joseph. When I say he didn't know, his, he didn't know Joseph. We don't need um, the world's most interesting man to teach us what it is to be a man. We don't need Chuck Norris, who uppercuts horses and turns them into giraffes, okay? We don't need that kind of thing. <laughs> we, need, we need Christ to pick up a child and say, whoever is the least is the greatest. Whoever is the humblest is the greatest. And, and he needed to die for us because we couldn't be that. We're all helplessly lost, trying to figure out what it means to man to be a man. We've seen our fathers fail us. We've failed people. We've seen our boyfriends, uh, women fail us. We've seen ourselves fail, not being able to get this together. And, and we need Christ to bear our insecurity and, and our sin upon the cross to do so. And that's what it means to be... Uh, a godly man. So ladies, don't settle for somebody who's not godly. Don't settle for that. Um, now, guys, guys, if you all have any questions, um, you can text those to the numbers there about manhood, um, godly man, who to date, all that kind of stuff. Um, questions on that. Love to hear any, any response to this and questions. And we'll sing one more song. Pray and we'll go. Let's do that. Come on up, guys.